Do we have a new weapon in our fight against bioterrorism? You're listening to ReachMD 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and with me today is Dr. James Baker. Dr. Baker is the Ruth Dow Doan Professor of Medicine and Biological Engineering, the Director of Michigan Nanotechnology Institute for Medicine and Biological Sciences, and Chief Division of Allergy. Thank you, Dr. Baker, for joining us. It's a pleasure to speak with you today. Today we're going to be discussing the development of a new vaccine against anthrax that can be applied nasally for desired effects. Dr. Baker, could you tell me about this? This vaccine is unique from a couple of different perspectives. First off, this is an anthrax vaccine that's made from a single protein that's been shown to be protective as a vaccine in other approaches. So you avoid all of the problems that you have with the traditional vaccine, which is basically ground-up anthrax spores. More importantly, unlike other approaches, this vaccine takes this protein and mixes it with a non-inflammatory nanoemulsion and places it in the nose. And by doing this, you actually can load the immune system from the nose, much like you have an immune response to a normal infection. So, in fact, the immunity that you develop with this vaccine is very strong, very long-lasting, and involves both the mucosal system that protects against inhalated organisms and systemic immunity. Could you tell me, what is a nanoemulsion? A nanoemulsion is basically very small oil droplets in water. They're stabilized by surfactants. These are very high-energy molecules. If you think of an emulsion that you have in your everyday life, like your salad dressing, when you shake up your salad dressing, it emulsifies, and you have the oil and water mixing together. But by shaking it up, you're putting energy into that system, and that energy is taken up by the surface tension in the droplets. Obviously, with your salad dressing, when you place it down, it coalesces into oil and water again because that's its lowest energy phase. But this material, we put a great deal of energy into it, and we lock it there with surfactants so that these droplets can't coalesce. So these molecules are very surface active, and they're actually used to penetrate the skin and the mucosal surfaces for cosmetics purposes to bring things like alpha-hydroxy acids across the skin. And we're now using it to bring antigens across the skin as a vaccine. Does it cause any inflammatory response when it passes through the mucosa? This is one of the unique things about this material. Unlike other types of vaccines that actually induce inflammation or use inflammatory compounds to induce an immune response, this material does not cause inflammation. It's actually like a physical delivery system for antigen to the immune system that allows it to respond naturally instead of just trying to trigger an inflammatory response. Does it then penetrate cells that exist in the mucosa? It actually penetrates between the cells and is taken up by a special type of antigen-presenting cell called dendritic cells. These dendritic cells were basically developed to eat small oil droplets like the emulsion, and they take this material back to the immune system 
And within 24 hours in other studies, we've actually documented that this material winds up in the lymph nodes, the thymus, and the spleen of the animal. And this allows the immune system to react systemically to whatever antigen we've delivered with the emulsion. I assume this has been done mainly in animals. Could you tell us something about your data with your animal studies? Well, for anthrax, we have very good data. Probably one of the best models for anthrax protection is the guinea pig. And we were able to show in guinea pigs that we could nasally immunize them. And six months after we immunized them, they maintained strong enough immunity to protect against a 10 million-fold lethal dose of anthrax. So this was very strong immunity, and importantly, it was very long-lived. And that's much different than the standard vaccine. In the standard vaccine, a booster is necessary. So in this preparation, no booster is needed? Well, actually, in the standard vaccine, multiple boosters are needed. And you need almost six immunizations over the first six months. Here, what we did was give an initial immunization and a booster one month later, and then challenged the animal six months later and showed that they maintained strong immunity. What kind of side effects have you been able to identify in guinea pigs? Well, remarkably, we've now done studies for toxicity with the nanoemulsion in mice, rats, guinea pigs, and in primates, and we've seen no toxicity whatsoever. And that's regardless of the antigen we've placed into it. So we're very excited about the fact that this material is not inflammatory and does not seem to cause the side effects of other vaccines. So, Dr. Baker, what's next? Well, obviously, the next steps really depend on on where we want to go. With anthrax, we really will probably not take this product forward unless the government wants to use it for biodefense. And that's because there's really not a commercial market for this. But we're actually funded by the Gates Foundation to develop a hepatitis B vaccine based on the nanoemulsion. And the reason the Gates Foundation is interested is for a couple of reasons. Number one, this material would avoid the use of needles. So you could go into a village and immunize a whole population in one day just with nasal spray. But the other thing that's very interesting, by mixing the antigen in the emulsion, it stabilizes it. And in fact, we now have three-month data at 40 degrees centigrade showing that the vaccine remains stable and immunogenic. So you can imagine for the developing world, having a mucosal vaccine that you don't have to refrigerate would be a real plus and really facilitate vaccination in areas where the cold chain cannot be maintained. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and I'm speaking with Dr. James Baker about the development of a new vaccine against anthrax and possibly other vaccines. What other diseases might there be application for this delivery system? So far, we've looked at mixing recombinant proteins with the vaccine adjuvant, with the nanoemulsion. And essentially, every protein antigen that we've mixed with this material retains its immunogenicity. So in fact, we could probably reformulate any of the protein antigens in this emulsion and make them nasal vaccines. 
But one of the more exciting facets of this is that we can mix whole organisms in with the emulsion, have them inactivated and stabilized, and make vaccines out of them. So we're looking now at taking live viral vaccines and converting them into inactivated viral vaccines using the emulsion. And this, I think, has real advantage because you don't wind up with the infectious complications that you have with the live viral vaccines. We touched on that AVA, anthrax vaccine absorbed, is the vaccine that's now being used. Is this vaccine being given to the military? Yes, this is the standard vaccine the military uses to protect servicemen who are at risk. And as you said, it involves six shots and a booster. Has there been any fallout or resistance to the use of anthrax vaccination in our military? It's obvious that there have been concerns about this. What's interesting is that we've seen people who've had problems with anthrax vaccine, but most of the problems appear to be due to the adjuvant that's added to make it inflammatory. Therefore, we're very hopeful that by making a new vaccine that doesn't have a pro-inflammatory adjuvant, you can avoid the problems with the current vaccine. I know in your career you've been on active duty with the military for 14 years, and some of those years were during Operation Storm. At that time, were people being vaccinated for anthrax? Yes, people were, and quite honestly, I've been vaccinated to anthrax. In October 2001, 22 postal employees contacted anthrax and five died. Was this a stimulus for the development of anthrax when it was seen to be used as a possible weapon? Yeah, there was always concern that anthrax could be used as a weapon, but that really was the first time that it was used in this country. And I think it was a stimulus not just to the military, but to the civilian government that people would be at risk. And it's not just the service members, but ordinary people like mail carriers. And I think that because of efforts by Homeland Defense and the NIH, there are now efforts underway to develop countermeasures for anthrax. I've read that WHO has said that if you took 50 kilograms of anthrax and spilled it upwind of a city of a half a million, you'd have 95,000 deaths and 125,000 hospitalizations. This makes it a very potent weapon. Yes, I think those types of numbers are very intimidating for all of us. And having to take care of people that basically we don't have the resources or countermeasures for would make it very difficult on the rest of the population as well. Anthrax genome is not changed, and we're told that there are various antibiotics, amoxicillin, the quinolones, that work against anthrax. Why do we have such poor results in treating it? Actually, treatment is very effective if started early. The problem is that anthrax given by inhalation in large concentrations is not really an infection, but it's a toxemia. When the spores start to germinate, they produce these toxins. They actually activate cytocascades in macrophages, and it's the toxemia that kills people. So unless you treat people early and neutralize the spore or kill the bacteria before it can replicate, then you can't stop the disease because you can't stop the toxin production. What makes anthrax so difficult and such a good weapon, if we can use that term? Well, I think 
Part of it is because it takes very little of the material to harm or kill people. And importantly, it's very stable. People have gone and looked at areas where anthrax was released experimentally and found the spores to be present 40 years later in the ground. So you're talking about a material that, that has great longevity and on top of it has a very small lethal dose. So, I mean, it's a really challenging combination. I think the development of this vaccine is really a major step forward and certainly holds great promise for us. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Baker. Thank you. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and I've been speaking with Dr. James Baker, and we've been discussing the development of a new vaccine against anthrax that can be taken nasally. Thank you for listening.